0: Hi, I'm Dr. Amy Robbins, and welcome to Life, Death, and the Space Between podcast. By now, you should know me, and we're here to explore life, death, consciousness, and what it all means. Today, I'm extremely excited to have Mark Pitstick, MA in DC, to the show. He is an author, master's clinical psychologist, holistic chiropractic physician, frequent media guest, and webinar workshop teacher. He also attended theology school and majored in pastoral counseling. Mark directs the Soul Phone Foundation, founded Greater Reality Living Groups, and conducts research for the Soul Phone Project. His goal is to help you know and show, no matter what is going on around you, that this earthly experience is a totally safe, meaningful, and magnificent adventure amidst forever. See about Dr. Mark Pitstick at soulproof.com for his full bio. Visit soulproof.com to enjoy his free articles, radio shows, and newsletters, and learn about his books, documentary film, and audio products. And today, I welcome... Mark Pitstick to the show. Welcome.
1: Thank you. Glad to be here.
0: That was a mouthful. So this is probably going to be a two-part episode because, as you know, I like to kind of keep things digestible for people, and there's a lot to digest here. And I have a million questions and probably a million more that will come up over the course of this interview. So let's start at the beginning. Can you explain the research and development that has led to the soul phone, and what a soul phone actually is.
1: You bet. Uh, Let's back up. This is based on the work primarily of Dr. Gary Schwartz, PhD from Harvard, Harvard professor, then a tenured Yale professor. He moved to the University of Arizona where he's a senior professor 20 years ago uh, because they allowed him more latitude in the research he was doing, which was basically consciousness studies after-death survival questions. Uh, He started tackling that question scientifically with, um, by studying mediums. He, from his experience, he knew that some mediums were mediocre, some appeared to be outright fakes. Uh, But the question was, were some of them, did some of them have verifiable abilities? And so he set up a series of double and even triple blind studies, as described in his book, The Afterlife Experiments, at the University of Arizona. And indeed, uh, about 20, he found, had very strongly uh, evidential abilities, meaning they were able to consistently bring through a high volume of fine details, specific details. We call these evidential mediums. Their hit or success rate was around 86 to 90%, whereas the control groups were 23%, about what you expect from guessing. The statistical significance and the difference there is one in one billions. Then to search and say, okay, if indeed it appears that consciousness continues after bodily death, is there any way we can communicate with them, tech, with technology, and also uh, more strongly, definitively demonstrate their existence? Well, by working with these various top mediums, um, in the country. He developed uh, collegial relationships with them, and they began feeding him bits of information independently from different, quote, deceased um, people, luminaries, scientists, inventors, and so on. Mm. We use the term post-material for these persons because spirit certainly doesn't work. They're not Casper the friendly ghost. You know, they're not just ethereal or immaterial, gauzy, fleeting. All indications are that they are just as physical as we who are living on earth and can be even more so. Uh, And so uh, this also honors two things. First of all, there's a centuries-old philosophical debate between materialists who believe that the only thing exists is what we can perceive with our five senses, and post-materialists who believe that there was more than that. Also, Dr. Schwartz uh, started a, a group called the Academy for Advances in Postmaterial Science last year, AAPSglobal.com. And so far, about 250 university professors, scientists, and physicians who, as their working hypothesis, assume that consciousness is primary, that it's not just a temporary byproduct of the human brain. So that's another reason we want to use that term postmaterial. Well, mm-hmm. So, for example, one medium would say, um, Albert Einstein is saying you ought to look at measuring the capacitance with uh, electrical en- engineering devices to measure our impact. And then David Bohm, who is a uh, Princeton physician and mathematician, um, not physician, physicist, and a contemporary of Einstein's, would tell him the same thing through a different medium independently. And he knows these people. He knows their are Uh, reputable uh, high integrity so it's not like they're collaborating well
0: well and you would have to have a pretty high knowledge to to give that information right like that would probably have to be the field in which you were working to be able to to say that if you weren't a physicist or
1: you're exactly right mathematician and it's really funny because i've gotten to know these mediums over the last several years and and They laugh. They say, you know, sometimes I bring through information to Gary, I don't even know if it's a real word. And uh, they said, this is what I was told to tell you, I don't even know if it's English. And Gary said, thank you, that's exactly what I needed. So as a result of his genius mind, and he truly is, uh, information from these, what had become known as the A-Team, about 30 post-material luminaries who provide information. Also, his team of electrical engineers, software specialists, optical physicists. Being a senior professor, he has the cream of the crop there in grad and post grad students, sometimes in software uh, programming, physics, and so on, who have helped him. Just genius minds. Uh, so, through all this, over the last 11 years, then, a progressive improvement in Um, what we call the sole switch. and That's the first device. Uh, A switch then being a binary indicator that provides yes, no answers. And that's what we'll be uh, demonstrating at the seed events, which we'll talk about later, starting in February 2020. So it's not an easy task to reliably uh, communicate with those living in a different dimension, basically. And mm-hmm. So we start off with yes or no. And as, as you may know, I certainly experienced this when I worked in hospitals as a respiratory therapist many years ago. It's amazing how much communication you can achieve, for example, with a quadriplegic patient by having them blink their eyes once for yes, twice for no, or whatever the system is. Uh, so that's what we've been using then. And through a series of replicated studies at different centers, large subject numbers and trial numbers, uh, and everything is replicated beautifully, shown clearly his first, uh, well, actually his third uh, journal article on that and explore coming out in a couple months, but the abstract's available, uh, showing clearly that life does continue after bodily death. These post-material persons continue to exist, and commu- can communicate with us
0: so so the way it would be communicate. so the way this works was me as the medium or me as the person who's wanting to communicate it doesn't matter you don't have to have mediumship abilities be- to communicate with your loved ones through this technology correct
1: yeah the only time a, a medium has been needed so far is to help set up the experiments for example Let's say um, David Bohm, Albert Einstein, Nikola Tesla, and Carl Sagan are our test pilots. Well, then the meeting will initially say, um, can you work with Mark? Because I've done some of the experiments, uh, many of them actually. And you know he's a good guy. You can trust him. He's going to be contacting you. Uh, she taught me how to contact them, kind of call them in, and he'll be uh, looking for you at 8 o'clock tomorrow morning so you can start the sessions. So that's really been the only involvement with the medium so far. Otherwise, it's, it's self-sustaining without. Now, well, there are several tests that we've used them with this binary indicator. The first is their ability to understand directions and uh, touch the device. It's basically a Tesla coil which is a high-energy, high-voltage, low-frequency device. And if you've ever seen one, you can Google. If you've not, it's it has gases inside, sends out particles. And if you put your hand on the globe, the electron streams gravitate toward the hand. Uh, so baseline, no participant control would be. No one's near the globe. And it's about what you would expect, kind of like a flatline EEG or EKG, not much activity at all. Then... Um, We ask one of these post-material persons to touch the globe. And indeed, there is a highly statistically significant interaction. The graphs show it all. This is created instantaneously by space-age software. And also, we can see the light that's created by them touching the globe. Uh, Then the second part is what we call cognitive understanding, because we couldn't assume initially that those who had passed on from Earth, in some cases uh, Houdini in 1927, that they would still remember, for example, what a car was or a draft was. So uh, Dr. Schwartz looked at the experiment. Uh, well, first, you know, what's called I am not a robot when you do banking and so on. So you have to click on the squares that have a part of a car in them. So he created a similar experiment using animals and vehicles. Uh, so the computer voice, everything's totally standardized, and computer automated, would say, is this a vehicle? and if it's a giraffe the answer should be no if it's a car the answer should be yes and again they they ace this across the board That's
0: they meaning the meaning the post material correct
1: yeah what we use what we say in the journal articles hpcs hypothesize post material collaborators you you know from your studies how you have to phrase things Uh, So then the next stage was the personal identification test, and we're running some of those right now as we speak, in fact, um, asking for these post-material persons 12 questions. Is your first name this? Is your last name this? Was your father's name? Was your mother's name? Were you born on this date? Did you die on this date? Did you die of this? Were you born in the city? Did you write a book of this name? Now, if, for example, we're asking Harry Houdini, who interestingly wrote a book called "A Magician Among the Spirits"? It's like what he supposedly didn't believe in spirits. But uh, uh, so if you say,
0: uh, it's funny because I just read a New York Times article about this woman who worked with him, I think, or who was trying to disprove mediums. So it's funny that you bring that up.
1: Yeah. So if we say, uh, Harry, did you write a book um, called <clears throat> uh, "Wholeness in the implical Order"? His answer should be no, because that was a book written by Dr. David Bohm. But if you say, did you write a book called Magician, A Magician Amidst the Spirits? The answer should be yes. So again, we see as, um, about 80 90% accuracy, and we assume that the other 10% isn't there making mistakes. It's just the shortcomings of our technology at this point.
0: So the the little thing, this little like sort of light bulby thing I'm thinking, right, lights up the thing that you put your hand on. I'm just trying to simplify this. Sure. I'm trying to wrap my own mind around like what exactly this looks like. Oh, sure. So that lights up it, as if there's a hand on it, like the
1: energy. Exactly. Um, you see gotcha. light okay. image of the globe, and especially in certain regions of interest, you see brightness of light uh, associated with where their hands are whether their hand is on top of the globe or on the side of the globe, for example, affects where the electron streams would be drawn to. Well, then the fourth test is called the expert knowledge test. And this is a series of tests to really confirm who we're working with and to show skeptics uh, what's really going on. So for example, we would say, we would ask Einstein, uh, a very complex equation, almost no one would know and show a part of it was this part of your theory of relativity? And the answer would be yes or no, and and we would know whether that was true or not. So that's the switch. Right now we are um, one phase away from having a very highly reliable and accurate switch, which will then enable formation of what we call a sole keyboard. You may know that a keyboard is assemblage of 40 some switches. For example, if you push a K key, that's a yes for a K and a no for everything else. And so with an assemblage of these switches, Dr. Schwartz thinks that the first keyboard may be four foot wide and three foot deep, but who cares? You know, you're texting with people living in another realm. Then that will greatly mm. amp up the quality and quality of information with them. First...
0: So a human... Sorry, real quick to stop you. So a human is not... There's... The human doesn't... The material human, does not have, isn't touching any of these objects. It's all kind of happening without a human there. Because like it's it's not like a Ouija board where you're asking questions and people will say, oh, well, you're moving the board or table tipping or things like that. Yes,
1: exactly right. Uh, humans are not present in it, so there's no... Uh, Um, fair accusation of experimenter bias. And in fact, some of the experiments have been run at night, computer automated with a random time generator. So the experimenters Mm -hmm. are home asleep across town and they don't even know what time it's gonna start. And all that proceeds and the results are the same. So yeah, uh, Dr. Schwartz has uh, written over 450 scientific papers edited 11 academic books. Uh, He's a scientist-scientist, so he's covering every every bit of this because he knows um, he's writing a book right now. He just finished the first rough draft based on a statement by Carl Sagan, and and that is, extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence, and so that's why he is making sure we cross all the T's and so on. Uh, So Then, with the keyboard, there'll be a great influx in information from these post material persons. First of all, from, quote, departed loved ones, because that's a big part of our outreach to help people know that life does not end with bodily death and to allow communication with them. That, of course, will drop so much fear as a psychotherapist. You know what a role that plays in. Um, Psychosomatic problems, health problems, mental issues, et cetera, uh, but also then really amping up our communication with these deceased luminaries uh, because they have stated that right now we can only deal with about 30 of them, but they say there are hundreds more waiting in the wings who want to help us heal our world, who want to help us solve our biggest problems on earth. You know, think global warming or how do you feed people or diseases and so on. Uh, They want to give webinars. Uh, One time we had a a little... (laughs) I know.
0: Did they know they wanted to give webinars before or only since webinars have become a thing?
1: (laughs) Well, we just asked the minister a few years ago, but we had a kind of informal meeting and we said, uh, all right, if and when we have the technology, even with the keyboard to give webinars, would you be able and willing to do so? And the medium involved started laughing and she said, They're pushing each other out of the way to get first in line. So that's how much they still care about those of us on Earth. They've not been gone that long. So they were geniuses while on Earth. And now they have that unfiltered uh, awareness because as you know, the central nervous system, about 95% of what it does is filter out extraneous uh, sensory input. Well with, so most of us on Earth are looking through a little pinhole. They're seeing the big picture. And then they'll be able to pass on this key information.
0: I have so many questions. So they have not reincarnated, I guess, right? I mean, is that the theory? Or is the theory, because I've heard a couple things, mm-hmm. that you can reincarnate and part of your soul is still on the other side?
1: Yeah, the second thing you said, I trained with Dr. Brian Weiss, 20 years ago to do past life regressions, and he -hmm. said at the time on average, uh, the average person would reincarnate maybe every 100 or 200 years, although there are exceptions if a person is really motivated to come back quickly. However, as you intimate in the second part of your question, yes, uh, it appears that they can, the word isn't bilocate, but multilocate, um, they can be in more than one place at a time again. And we talk about this in our book uh, called greater reality living that Dr. Schwartz and I wrote it's in the afterward uh, In this same meeting uh, we asked, okay, can you, you know, cause we don't want to um, ruin what you're doing now. You know, we don't want to interfere. And they said, don't worry, we can do more than one thing at the same time. And we said, well, can you do more than two things? Yeah. And so it was kind of like a um, auction 20 things, yeah, 50 things, and so they maxed out around 100, but keep in mind we're talking about Einstein and Bohm and Tesla and so on, extraordinary people, Uh, so it appears that yes, they can do many things at the same time independently, Um, and so that's how then they could be doing what their soul's missions are right now, at the same time assisting us, at the same time helping perhaps Uh, other people who are working on means to communicate.
0: So some of them may be back here in human form. Would they tell you, like, go to, I don't know, Ohio. There's a kid living in Cleveland who is part of me in human form.
1: So far, there have been no indications of that. It's a great question. But again, keep in mind that none of them have been passed for um, 100 years, to say I mentioned Houdini 27, uh, Tesla 43, uh, for example, David Bohm 62.
0: What about you? Might I might have you on for like three hours today? <laughs> what about like someone who is evil, like Hitler, or like? Do does that ever come through as an energy in terms of? Or has that ever been called in as an energy to kind of understand like the, the meaning of that or what their purpose was in, in doing something like that?
1: Um, no. Right now, our uh, research has been limited to uh, proving, again, that, that life continues after bodily death and then enhancing communication. That would be a side project, certainly a future mm-hmm. project to look into that more deeply. Um, but- Are
0: you hiring? Pardon? <laughs> I said, are you hiring?
1: <laughs> uh, but the, um, <clears throat> you know, I have speculations on it. I mean, I've talked about that SOAR thing over the years because it's a commonly asked question. But for now, let's stay on the soul phone. Um, so then the, after, uh, again, we have the SOAR keyboard and the great amount of information, then the next goal is to create soul audio or soul voice. I'm not mm. sure what we're going to call it allowing us to talk with people living in another realm, another part of the field of all possibilities. And then finally, soul video, the fourth, which would be like Skype, Zoom, FaceTime, being able to see and hear. And the ultimate goal is to have a holographic um, image of that so that it would be like seeing the person in the room with you.
0: Wow. Yeah. And the first piece is getting ready to be released in February what was that
1: <clears throat> well <clears throat> excuse me not the first piece but the first public demonstrations with the current phase of the soul switch and yeah we'll be demonstrating to be a day-long event let's talk about that a bit Dr. Schwartz and his wife Rhonda who's the head research medium uh, will be presenting via teleconferencing I'm the guy's gonna be driving around the country uh, so, Dr. Schwartz will first present about the f- soul phone and the science behind it. Then Rhonda will talk about evidential mediums, what they are, and about the A-Team. I will talk about greater reality living, which is a term we coined for how would we live if we really knew without a doubt that we are eternal beings, that is, uh, death is not the end of our life. and realize all the wonderful benefits, like we don't really lose our loved ones, people, and pets, and we do each have important missions and purposes for being here. Also, some informed inferences, for example, what many near-death experiences come back and say that we each are one with the one and part of Source Energy right now. Uh, And finally, that we're all interconnected, uh, like important threads in a huge tapestry, like people like Evan Alexander and Anita, more Johnny and others have come back and, and reported. So all of that, is, of course, is hugely important. And then when we know that at a higher level, how does it affect the way we live, treat ourselves and, and others, and help make the world mm-hmm. a better place? So that's what I'll be mm-hmm. talking about. Uh, then we will start the demonstrations. First of all, as I mentioned, showing the what we call no participant control or baseline nothing this will be shown on a, a, a big overhead screen then we'll have a human attendee from the audience come up and touch the device and show their huge energy because you know they've got their physical hands on it again post material persons can be physical but uh, it's difficult for them to transmit that in general their energy or presence can be measured mm, anywhere from 1% to 10% of that of the humans, but still very highly uh, increased over baseline. So we'll show the humans, and then we'll have one of the team members come in, probably Susie Smith, who passed in 2001. Um, she had She was a journalist. She had written 30 books on afterlife subjects, and near the end of her life, Uh, she would often say she's about nine. she said I can't wait to die so I can come back and prove there is no death well (laughs) now she's doing it in fact uh, we had a a Hollywood crew come into the lab in Tucson a couple months ago they're considering doing a documentary series and she really put on a show she um she was like seven to 10 percent of the average human. Her, her signals, her presence was really strong. Uh, so Susie will probably be the A-team member who shows up for these events. Then we'll discuss the ramifications, this, answer questions, and so on. So these will be historic events. Analogies are like the five people who were present in 1903 at the first Wright Brothers flight, or the 20 or so people were present during Alexander Graham Bell's first phone conversation in 1857.
0: So when she comes through, you would say, is this Susan Smith? And then you get the yes or no. And that's how you know who's, who's there.
1: We'll probably have her do the personal identification test. uh, Okay. But perhaps also the cognitive understanding test. So uh, Rhonda or whatever medium will, invite her in and then yeah she can show her presence first of all that she knows the difference between animals and vehicles at a a highly statistically significant level and then that she can correctly answer a series of questions and by the way when we run all these there's a 10 second baseline pattern where nothing's happening and then a 10 second questioning uh, section and so that's how we compare for each session what's baseline and what shows up when they're interacting or answering.
0: And who's, who is part of this A-team? Like how, how did that kind of get determined in terms of who came forward and kind of volunteer, I guess, volunteered for this? They're certainly not yeah, getting paid. Time. right?
1: <laughs> no, nor are, are any of us at this point. Um, They, again, showed up through these various mediums over time, some of these bright minds. We actually are not discussing them a lot now. Uh, At some point, we said, we're going to let them answer these questions for themselves. In other words, it shouldn't be too far off when they can prove their existence and answer these kinds of questions. And the other reason we don't talk a lot about them is because it's... um, in the absence of a person really understanding all this, you know, reading the Greater Reality Living book, reading his journal article, attending an event where they see all the science behind it, it's quite easy to just dismiss it as craziness. You know, It can sound like crazy talk, when in fact, we have these replicated, multi-centered studies to show that it's happening on a scientific basis.
0: Like what you heard today and want to hear more? curious about what comes next and what it all means, you can subscribe on iTunes. Just go to podcasts and find life, death, and the space between and hit subscribe. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Dr. Amy Robbins. Ask me any questions you might have. Let me know what else you'd love to hear about or just share your story. I can't wait to hear from you.